Welcome to Wake Forest University Department of Counseling Podcast. I'm Dr. Bob Nations, and with me is my esteemed co-host, Dr. Shannon Warden. Shannon, it's always a pleasure. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Bob. I love, 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 love when we get together to talk with our colleagues here in the department, and we, you know, of course, students. We've we've had several different people on. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. But today, we've got the chair himself. We've got the chair. Chairperson chair. extraordinaire. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had something that rhymed. But we've got Dr. <laughs> Nate Ivers. Dr. Nate Ivers in our studio. We Nate, do. you made How it. I exciting. finally made it. I am. I'm in, in awe already. This is my first time uh, in a studio <laughs> like this. <and laughs> certainly my first time doing a podcast. And uh, the, well, thank you so much for having me and for what you all do. The first. Oh, of, you're welcome. Oh, the first of many, Bob. I think we'll have him back. I think so too. <laughs> yeah. I think so too. I know we're we, regular guests. He now. will be. He should be, you know, really de- mm-hmm. like delivering the the chair report or something. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I don't know, but I mean, it is kind of a neat treat to think about, you know, having Nate here. So, Nate, we're going to first. I'll just start off asking you about kind of your path, but eventually we're going to be working our way to kind of the really cool story that at least the part, the cool part that I know about is having been an alum and now in the chair position. So we're going to get there. Mm -hmm. But, Bob, what do you think? Let's just start off kind of where we do uh, with our Mm first-timers, our rookie podcast (laughs) interviewees. (laughs) Rookies, yeah. And you want to start with just, yeah, yeah, how they ended up in counseling. How they ended up in counseling, yeah. What attracted there? How'd you get there? Great. Nate? Sure. Thank you so much for um, again for having me and uh, for that uh, that question that will lead me down memory lane <laughs> a bit. Um, we need some music. We need some nostalgic music. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, Rob, cue, cue that up. <laughs> I uh, I started uh, like like many people, uh, not all of course, but I started as a freshman in college, uh, thinking that I was going to go into medicine. Um, I was a pre med major. And uh, I took a course that was a combination of anatomy and physiology. And uh, long story short, I was no longer a med major (laughs) (laughs) after that. And uh, I was sort of lost because uh, I was pretty certain that it was medicine or bust at that that point. And um, I didn't fail the anatomy and physiology course. I I also didn't get an A in it. Um, But uh, what I recognized was... uh, uh, learning the material was uh, was difficult. It didn't come easily for me. Some of it was the memorization, and some of it was just the physiology part, understanding, for example, how a, a bone uh, regenerates. Um, it uh, it took a lot for me to want to sit down and do the studying, and I realized that if I was going to do that for you know three additional years for undergrad, and then uh, four years of medical school, and then three to seven years of residency. That was going to be a lot um, for me to handle, so it's sort of an existential crisis. And then I, uh, uh, during a summer course I, uh, or a summer session, I decided to take uh, Psychology 101, uh, actually a Psychology 111, which was the introductory course uh, to psychology. And I had a, a, a professor teaching that class uh, who was just fantastic. He was a clinical psychologist. His name was Merlin Madsen, Dr. Madsen, and uh, he had a lot of clinical experiences that he shared in the class. And so he took the course content uh, and made it real. He made it practical, and I decided I want to be like Merlin Madsen. Um, I, so I decided I was going to be a psychologist, um, and that's really all I um, had exposure to in undergrad. I didn't uh, I didn't really know a lot about all of the helping professions. Um, I knew that people worked with couples and worked with families, but I didn't know there was something called marriage and family therapy. 
um, I knew about clinical psychology, and that was really it. Uh, I certainly couldn't um, differentiate between clinical and counseling psychology, and I'm not even certain I knew that there were two different uh, professions, really. Um, so I was uh, I was set uh, on being a psychologist, um, and uh, between my um, first year and my and my junior year, um, I spent some time in Panama. Uh, I lived there for a few years and uh, learned Spanish and uh, was immersed in the culture and uh, learned a lot about myself uh, during that process as well. And when I came back, I transferred to another university and. Uh, um, follow, you know, continue my path uh, to be a clinical psychologist. And um, after I graduated, I took a year off and I worked as something called a psychosocial rehabilitation worker. Uh, I don't know if they have that title in most states or even if that's the title they're using in Idaho. That's where I'm from uh, originally. And I'd just gotten married, just graduated, and then uh, we moved back to my hometown, a little town called Rexburg, Idaho, which is surrounded by potato fields and um, 20, 25,000 people um, live in the city. And uh, I worked as a psychosocial rehabilitation worker um, receiving Medicaid funds uh, to assist individuals from a cognitive behavioral perspective uh, who had um, diagnoses. Uh, so mostly I worked with children and teenagers, uh, but I also worked with a few adults doing med checks and things like that. But I would go to their homes and I would work with them on different uh, things related to their treatment plan. I would take them to parks. I would go to the mall with them. I'd show up in their school. Uh, I would take them to the gym and play basketball with them. Um, it was really hands-on stuff, and I had to um, make sure that I did 30 hours of work every week to keep my health insurance benefits. And while I was doing that um, and learning a lot um, um, through hard knocks, really, uh, when there's uh, there's one thing uh, about learning about the human condition in, in a textbook, uh, which is undergraduate education, and then actually applying it uh, with real people with real problems. And uh, I learned what, that some things worked and some things didn't. And, I, and again, I learned a lot about myself during that process, too. Um, and I took the G GRE uh, during that year and... Uh, um, um, just started applying to lots of places. I applied to clinical psychology programs and counseling psychology programs and human development programs um, and marriage and family therapy programs and I'm trying to think if there are any others and two counseling programs. Uh, I applied to one at Idaho State University, which was about an hour and a half from my hometown. And I applied to Wake Forest University because uh, as a kid, I lived in Winston-Salem, North Carolina until third grade. And uh, I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool to go back mm -hmm. to North Carolina and uh, see my old stomping grounds? And uh, and Wake Forest is a, such a nice place. My family on Sundays would sometimes drive up to campus and we'd throw a Frisbee around. And, That's um, a good story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I didn't think I would get in and... Um, I, but I thought it would be fun to apply, and um, and so I did. And and they didn't have a clinical psychology program, nor a counseling psychology program, nor a marriage and family therapy program. So I applied to the counseling program, <laughs> not really knowing what that was, but thinking it was probably what I wanted to do because that seemed like what Merlin Madsen kind of did, um, my former professor. Um, and you know, long story short, I got lots of rejections. Uh, very, very quickly, I was <laughs> received some rejections for, from clinical psych programs and marriage and family therapy programs and the counseling psych programs. And 
received a note um, in the mail uh, from Wake Forest University uh, saying that my application was incomplete (laughs) 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 after the deadline. And I thought, well, there went that option. Um, and uh, so I, I sort of thought that Idaho, it was sort of Idaho State University or maybe wait another year and retake the GRE and see if I can improve my, my chances. Um, but one, uh, one day I got a phone call. Um, I was at work, uh, and work meant driving from point A to point B. There was a lot of driving uh, from a number um, that I didn't recognize, uh, 336-758-something number. <laughs> and I, uh, I answered it, and it was a f- – it was um, – actually, no, actually, I messed that up. I got an email, I think. Um, it was an email. Yeah, it was uh, from uh, uh, one of the administrative assistants at the time named Becky Fulton inviting me to come for an interview uh, at mm. Wake. That's who it was. And uh, – and so I uh, used all of the funds that I could muster as a as a fairly poor recent undergrad uh, in psychology, <laughs> um, and uh, and came out uh, with my wife who was pregnant um, for an interview. Um, it was on a um, Valentine's Day that we that we flew out. I recall that, and uh, it snowed here. I brought the snow with me uh, from Idaho. <laughs> Interviewed with Sam Gladding and Donna Henderson, um, two of the pillars of this program, and um, Sam played good cop and Donna played bad cop. <laughs> Sam asked me my first question, which is, "What is your favorite book?" Oh, no. And it was a, sort of a disarming type of question. Yeah. I remember telling you it was 1984. <laughs> I don't remember why I said 1984, but it was 1984 at the time. And then I remember Donna asking. To name one of my strengths and one of my weaknesses, like, oh no, not that question. <laughs> that, was a, that was a tough one. I remember telling her that my weakness was statistics, <laughs> but uh, um, I knew that there were only fifteen slots. Uh, I knew that there were scholarships, and uh, and thought, you know, it was a nice it was a nice opportunity to come out here and interview. But uh, didn't really think that I would be one of the chosen ones. And that leads me back to the story I started. I received a phone call from Sam Gladding inviting me to. Uh, study at Wake Forest University, and um, and I was um, I was tickled by it, um, and also nervous because I would be you know driving across the country, and um, we were um, scheduled to have a baby two weeks before the program started, so it was a it was a bit of a balance um, for us, but uh, we uh, we 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 dove in and we did it, and uh, when I got here, I realized that it wasn't a counseling psych program, uh, that it, which really was a counseling program. And through my first uh, semester, I learned very clearly the similarities and some of the differences between uh, the different helping professions and was felt that it was serendipitous because I really wanted to work with people from a wellness model and from a developmental model and not so much from a medical model or a deficiency model and uh, uh, just sort of tripped into the right profession for me. So that's, that's, that's kind of how I became a counselor. Gosh, Bob, well, that's a good story. It is a good I mean, story. I feel like um, he covered a lot of mileage there. He Idaho, did. North Carolina, Panama. Gonna... Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I love, too, I mean, you know, we've we've talked some about this, um, I think, in some episodes prior, that just the clarification that mm-hmm, students, mm-hmm. like, so so listeners right now might be, con- you know, Nate, considering looking at Wake Forest. We're mm-hmm. always inviting folks to look at the Department of Counseling's um, online and, and traditional programs, mm-hmm, both mm-hmm. in clinical mental health counseling and school counseling. Yes. Uh, we're always encouraging them to, to explore 
and and then certainly Nate, what you're uh, bringing to light here too is to know the differences mm-hmm. in the helping professions. Yeah. And um, sound like you did a lot of due diligence there, a lot of good work, Bob, trying to mm-hmm. find out what what's the right one. Where did yeah. where did Dr. Madsen come from? <laughs> That's right. I want to go there. We I want to be like. Yeah. Oh my gosh, which is life. another yeah. great it's, part of that story too, yeah. is how people influence us positively yes. as well. We do. Yeah. We've yep. heard that from a lot of the faculty. Mm-hmm. And, and I hope we've listeners, where we are today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what. I hope listeners are hearing that too. Because exactly. somebody's listening thinking, hmm, I keep listening to this podcast or other resources, and I'm thinking it might be me. I, I might I might uh-huh. want to follow yeah. this as, as a next step in my career life. And um, yeah. I think Nate's got a nice story there that's it encouraging is. folks. Don't don't let those shut those closed doors exactly keep you from pushing on, you know, from uh, pursuing your, your potential calling. Right. There's a theme kind of that emerges too from our faculty is that there's there's been this passion, interest, mm-hmm. drive, desire to help, to be yeah. of service, to be of doing something that's meaningful in the area of helping individuals, mm-hmm. children in school, couples, whatever it may be. Yeah. And there's always been that drive. And, and sometimes we don't know exactly what that's going to look like. And it takes some experiences mm-hmm. to, uh, as you were saying, keep those doors open, is to go through some of those open doors and possibilities to find out this is, uh, this fits. Mm-hmm. This is where I need to be. Right. This Any is... given one of those might not be a stopping exactly. place. It might just be the, the what do they say, the hallway to mm-hmm. the next door. Mm-hmm. That's been a familiar story of our yeah. faculty, of also mm-hmm. from our students. Yeah, which is exciting. Right that that is. That's, that's really kind of the, yeah. you know, one of the main ben- benefits of the online program, Bob. We're about seven years now, right, Nate, that's with right. the mm-hmm. online program, and it's thriving. We, we yes. offer the same Master mm-hmm. of Arts. Uh, in clinical mental health counseling and in school counseling in our online program as we do here on, on the uh, the campus, the traditional campus. Nate, what's the appropriate? We, I call it bricks and mortar. What do you call on our campus bricks and mortar? We call it. Yeah, okay? I think both of those work really well. I, I, I use the term campus and online. Campus okay, and online. Campus there it online. is. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're doing the same degrees. And in fact, I'm, I'm thinking there you were. You were just an hour and a half away mm-hmm. from the local mm-hmm. graduate school there in Idaho. And it just wasn't going to work out for some reasons. Yeah. And I think that's obviously been one of the advantages of offering an online program that we really are reaching multiple states yes. now. Um, that the barriers, while there are still barriers to education, this is our efforts and many other institutions' efforts are helping at least eliminate some of the barriers Opening up doors. Open up doors. Open up doors. Yeah. Yes. And that really was one of the reasons that I was told uh, that the online program was started. Uh, it was uh, that we we felt very good about the the on campus program that we had. Uh, that we uh, that we helped people become very effective counselors. Um, but we could only reach individuals who were able to move to North Carolina or who were already from the Winston Salem area. Uh, and those who were able uh, financially or otherwise to take off two years to go through a full-time program. And um, we knew that there were other people who uh, felt that uh, um, that churning, that mm-hmm. desire to be counselors uh, who would benefit uh, from our program who couldn't do those things. And so I think it really in- increases the reach yeah. uh, that we have. Mm-hmm. And we've had, we've had students from Idaho even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your old stomping grounds. That's Were you right. working in the potato fields ever? I did. I did. I did. Oh, I, yeah, I worked in the potato fields for a little while. I wasn't very good at it. Um, I was, uh, it was before I was 16, so it was kind of paid under the table a little oh, bit. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. Uh, that was normal in a farming community. Sure. Uh, 
um, where you, know, you get your your full daytime license at 15 there, oh, um, partially so to help can. out, yeah, mm-hmm. in the fields. But uh, yeah, I did a few weeks. Um, I was um, told by the farmer who was the um, the dad of one of my friends um, to go out in the field, and I was with he, with my friend and my brother, um, and uh, to pick something called red root. Um, and, uh, and he showed us what the red root looked like. It actually looks like a red root. And then he showed us what a potato looked like. And he said, don't pick the potatoes, pick the red root. Um, and so we're out in the middle of nowhere, but I really couldn't tell which was the red root based on the leaves. I could tell based on the root. <laughs> so kept picking potatoes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and the door was closing. The door was closing. So I, <laughs> that wasn't a you know, future they, vocation. It really wasn't. Yeah. It really yeah. wasn't. Um, so shout out to all the Idahoans, <laughs> Idahoans and all the potato farmers. That's right. That's right. We appreciate you. And Nate, we're glad you didn't go into potato farming. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Forest needed you, That's and, right. um, and it's been you now have been on faculty here seven, and well, it's really seven plus. That's right. Tell, talk, bring us up to speed because you you finished your master's degree mm-hmm. and then yeah. you went into a PhD program, right? Right there. Okay. Yeah. So I uh, yeah I finished my master's program in two thousand six mm-hmm. uh, in um, with an emphasis in community counseling, which is now clinical mental health counseling. And I uh, worked for a summer at Catholic Charities, working with the Latino, Spanish-speaking population in the area, and then uh, started my PhD in counseling and counselor education with Shannon. I know it. Uh, oh, that's right. <laughs> and Carl Emerson. I'm not sure if she's been on the podcast, but she also works with us. We need Carla. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, she, uh, the three of us were uh, a cohort of seven uh, mm-hmm. in the counseling and counselor ed program at UNC Greensboro. And Uh, When I graduated from that program in 2009, um, it was sort of a difficult time to graduate because 2008 is when the recession hit, Um, and a lot of the the, um, tenure-track counseling um, professor positions that I was applying for um, weren't available anymore. They froze the positions because they no longer had funding. Um, and uh, the few that were remaining uh, were highly competitive. And my guess is that, uh, and I totally understand this, but my guess is the the search committees um, looked at people who had PhD in hand uh, because it was less risky, Mm -hmm. and I was all but dissertation um, trying to finish up my degree. And so that that makes me feel better about myself, but long story short, I couldn't get a job. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's ultimately what it came down to. I didn't have a job. I got uh, I got a nibble, a uh, phone interview at a place, and then I got a slightly larger bite uh, with a uh, campus interview at a, at a, a program and um, was not offered um, in either of those instances. And so I thought, well, great. I've, I've done five years of um, post-undergrad at, uh, work, and uh, my goal to be like Berlin Madsen is sort of in hand in, in terms of credentials, but in terms of getting – uh, a job, this might not happen. And sometimes it's, uh, it's, if you don't get a, an inst- instructor position in your first year, it, it's almost more difficult to do it after that. It's not always the case that you won't, but it, it can be a little bit more difficult. Um, but, uh, there happened to be, a an opening at, uh, Wake Forest, uh, around that time. It was about May of 2009. And, um, they, it was for a lecturer. As a one-year lecturer position, and uh, I needed a job, and they needed someone to fill a position for a year, and so I took that position and, and 
and you know taught here for a year and it was a fantastic experience gained a lot of a lot of experience in the classroom i got to meet really great students um and that whole time i was applying for positions elsewhere for a more permanent job and got one in san antonio uh, taught at ut san antonio for two years and then when the online program here started and uh, new um, faculty positions uh, came available, I applied for one of those positions and uh, came back. So I've been back here since 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Bob, so yes. there was a time in there that he became the associate chair. Nate's a real modest, humble person, you know, which is <laughs> sure. so yes. awesome. Um, but, you know, very somewhere not too far into that, you know, a couple of few years now, it became the associate chair mm-hmm. uh, yes. uh, working with Do- Dr. Henderson, Donna Henderson. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Nate, in, you're probably now in your second year. Is it second year as, as chair? Um, for, I'm, I've almost finished my first. Almost finished your first. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So associate chair and now, I mean, Bob, department the chair. department chair, yes, and you back it up, and and you know, listeners are. If I'm a listener to this, I mean, I am in this room. By the way, I've got that great luxury. <laughs> but you know, as the listener to this podcast, I'm thinking, hmm, I got a shot. <laughs> I got a shot. <laughs> that might not sound like I mean it in my heart, <laughs> but that's what we want. We want students, and potential oh, students, course. to yes. hear, and yeah. and I think too, you know, we've um, obviously. It'd be interesting to know, Nate, how many um, PhDs Wake's program has birthed, so to speak, yeah. over 50 years, 50-plus 50 years of mm-hmm. tradition That's here right. in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, campus program here, 50-plus uh, mm-hmm. years, and now seven with the online, That's both right. thriving. Um, how many PhD doctoral folks have, have has the program birthed? Mm-hmm. And now department chair. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I know we've had some. I just don't know how many. But there yeah. is, you know, it's a great story, Bob. It really you is. Look back really over is. those years, and um, and so Nate, we got to know, Bob. I want to know. It looks what? like a hard job to me. <laughs> like, I'm not raising my. You know, it looks like a hard job, Nate. How how is it so far? Year of the man, the boss, the chair. In a, in a lot of ways, it's similar to other new experiences that one has. I was telling you all a little bit about Panama and. Um, and being a PSR worker and learning about myself, it's, it, I think part of the, the challenge is learning who you are in a new position. Mm-hmm. Um, I recall when I first became a faculty member trying to figure out who I was as a teacher, uh, trying to figure out um, who I was when I had my first child, you know, who, who am I as a dad because I never saw myself as that until I had the first. Who am I, who am I as a husband? And um, in this case, uh, who am I as a, as a um, as the chair of a department, and uh, how does that inform the decisions? That sometimes are are not not simple, and, and lots of lots of positions are like this, where you have to make you have to make decisions that affect people. Hopefully, most of the time in, um, positively, but sometimes it uh, I, sometimes you are the bearer of bad news, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, either for students um, or for um, uh, for staff or faculty or for everybody. I mean, they're, they're just challenges at times that I think all administrators uh, experience. And um, and then just trying to figure out who I am in that role um, has been a learning curve. It mm-hmm. uh, hasn't all been bad. I mean, there have been some uh, really exciting opportunities that have come about because of it, too. And I've learned some good things about myself. And then I've had to dig deep and inside and introspect and say, who are you? <laughs> 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 and that's, um, but I think, 
the unexamined life is not worth living, as Socrates says. And, and I think every new challenge that we face um, gives us an opportunity to learn a little bit more about ourselves. Yeah. You know mm. if he's quoting Socrates, Bob, he's the right <laughs> yes. one for the job. He is. He is, yeah. <laughs> he's doing great, don't you think, Bob? Oh, what, yeah. What do you like yeah. about I just, I just <laughs> <laughs> Bob, what do you think? What do you think? Yeah, he's he's doing a really great job, don't you think? Let's let's talk about him right here in his face. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a nice style about him, don't you think, Bob? Because I think we see it, don't we? We see that introspection and that... You know that calm, um, the team, the team guy. Nate, uh-huh. I think that's that's how yeah. I see you as a team guy. I hope to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's always um, been. Part I hope. Of what's exciting about? The- I mm-hmm. hope if I can do it is uh, certainly to always be. Um, as one person once told me, have your your tent facing uh, the people. Mm-hmm. Um, so the faculty, the staff, and and certainly the students. So I, I want to be an advocate for mm-hmm. for for them as much as possible because I think that's that's my job. My job is to make sure that our department um, and our programs are as um, strong as possible and fulfill their mission mm-hmm. uh, with a vision to the future. Of course, uh, to make yeah. sure that we're always uh, current. Hmm. Bob, you know, he's an athlete, and so oh, yes. I'm yeah, totally. When I Nate, I've I, yeah, I've, I I've never told you this. I don't think, but whenever I think about Nate in leadership, I sometimes liken him to a college basketball coach, <laughs> and you know, and I think about player development, Nate, and ultimately oh, yes, what you're yeah. saying in it's my good, metaphorical mind good is metaphor, yes. we've got to have some wins. Got to have some wins. We've got to develop the players, build team spirit. You know, I like that. work yes. for those opportunities, and and roll with the losses, build some wins. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. yeah. Nate, I mean you. You inherited a great program in that regard. I mean, yeah. you're you're building on a history of wins, yes. and um, and you're the right head coach. I I, I hope and believe Sam and Donna are proud um, that they've I know have been so influential in your yeah, life. They and, have been. You know, here you are, the guy. You're getting it done. And you're honest, too. I love Nate's oh, yeah, transparency, yeah, Bob. Yeah, you notice yeah. he said, it's not all easy. I mean, he kind of, you know, yeah. showed his cards yeah. there. He says, hey, sometimes are hard, but what does he do? He keeps with the people. He keeps that mm-hmm. tent f- uh, focused on the facing the people. You know, even he like does. that uh, yes. symbol of Nate. Yeah. It's Thank you. Mm-hmm. Said it keeps the main thing the main thing. Nice. So it keeps us really focused in that way. Yeah. He'll... Always want to do the right thing, too. And I got to think, what would Merlin say? <laughs> Merlin Madsen, I love that you're still citing. I don't know if he's still uh, living, but. Um, I don't know either. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I don't know. You might look him up. I will. I, now that you mentioned it, he, he retired a few years after I um, after I graduated. Um, so, But I'm going to check. Yeah. And see. Merlin yeah. Madsen, Dr. Merlin Madsen. Yes. Um, and that would have been Brigham Young. Uh, yeah, it was it was called Rick's College at the time. It, it was a junior college, but now it's Brigham Young University, Idaho. Wow, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm thinking, uh, people, if you're listening, I'd be Googling Merlin Madsen <laughs> because that was a significant influencer in yes. Nate's yeah. life. And Nate, now you, all these years later, lots of searching and, and finding the open door, finding answers, now at the head of a program, a very successful Wake Forest University Department of Counseling program, very successful, thriving. And I would say, uh, Bob, you know, again, Nate's humility is, is evident. You can't not know mm-hmm. that about Nate. Nate Ivers, um, but to inherit such a successful program and still have such great humility really does speak to the um, that that truth of your being. You Thank know you. the really what you're made of, and so. Um, I appreciate that. But I'm going to think that if Merlin is still living, 
Yes. You know, or if spiritually, however folks want to see that. I think they, it'd probably be thumbs up for Nate Ivers. I think if Merlin was on social media, it would be thumbs up. That's right. Maybe thumbs up. Maybe he's listening. Merlin, are you here? Are you listening? Dr. Madsen, what a wonderful testimony. And I think, Nate, that's who you are and that's who you're trying to build here in the program is a continued future of success like that, that such, such that someone might say one day, Dr. Nate Ivers. You know, and and the other, and I know you're not that guy. You don't want to lift no. yourself above others. But a Dr. Bob Nations, a yeah. Dr. Shannon Warden, a Dr. Rob Cazares. Um, we're always giving a little shout out to Rob. Rob's our producer, everybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know that that they would all get ahead and grow. And um, and student, future student, if you're listening, you're thinking I'm going to check them out. I'm going to look up the Department of Counseling. I'm going to check into their clinical mental health mm-hmm. counseling and their school counseling, Masters of Arts programs online and, and on campus. I want to look into this program because I like what I'm hearing. What you can hope for, and I believe that we would um, we would speak confidently of, is that you're going to come into a place that is successful but continues to learn. It's a humble place with lots of mm-hmm. smart and good and hardworking people that have a heart for you to do well, to have a heart that might be that 20-year-old undergraduate student who's in Panama or wherever else mm-hmm. you might be um, learning and growing as a person, maybe in your master or your undergraduate program, your maybe even another master's program. We, right. Bob, we get lots of we do. multiple degree folks here, multiple masters, some, uh, Nate, we've had a couple of MDs, I think, Mm -hmm. at this point, too. Mm -hmm. We've we've had lawyers. Mm -hmm. Um, I know of at least two of those right Mm -hmm. off the bat as well. Mm So, I mean, whoever's listening right now, if if counseling is something you're considering, Wake Forest is a great place for you to be. Bob, I mean, seriously, could I, you know what? Yeah. We both. Totally agree. Nate, yeah. we're cheerleaders. This yeah. is what we, we do. do. Yes, we do. Welcome yeah. to the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. I appreciate this. I, I, I second everything that Shannon is saying and Bob as well. Yeah, yeah. it's a good place. It is. Well, Bob, it is. What, what, else? what else do we need to know from Nate? Because I mean, we got him here. We really <laughs> I know it. I know it. I, you I know, think that's the story about how yeah. he got here and it's about what he's how he's come to be the chair and what mm-hmm. that's like for him. So that's mm-hmm. some good information for all of us. I'm loving it. I'm, I'm totally thinking about his research. Nate, because yeah. I yeah. know yeah. It, this is such a hard job. Nate is at the senior, the head administrator <laughs> of a large mm-hmm. and growing program here. Yeah. But, Nate, you also continue to write and research as well. Use his research, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell, uh, I try. That's about, yeah. that's I, about your interests and what. I'll tell you about the last paper that I wrote. Okay. Um, it... Uh, it's cliche, but it was certainly a labor of love. I started writing it in 2010. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, it, it's not a research paper. It's a, it's a conceptual sort of theoretical paper. Um, and uh, the original goal of the paper was to examine the, the relationship, uh, the relationships between um, existentialism, grief and loss, and mindfulness. Uh, sort of three constructs that uh, have some overlap but also are very different. Um, it sort of evolved into just looking at uh, the existential principles um, of death anxiety, um, existential isolation, freedom, and meaning um, in terms of uh, people coping uh, with the death of a loved one. And so I, uh, this was, it was a fairly new line of research for me because a lot of my uh, studies so far have been related to multicultural counseling competence, um, explicit and implicit bias, um, and uh, immigrant issues uh, in counseling. 
Um, so this one was a, a slight uh, divergence or a large divergence from that. Uh, but it was it was fascinating to um, delve into the existential literature, some of the existential philosophy, um, uh, Kierkegaard, uh, for example, and Nietzsche, uh, but also the existential therapists, psychotherapists, um, Eric Fromm, um, uh, Viktor Frankl, um, Moreno, uh, and certain, certainly Irvin Yalom, and, uh, and really looking at uh, um, grief and loss. Now, grief and loss is very, very idiosyncratic. It's different for every person, and every, every loss that one has also has differences to it. And so not trying to paint um, a broad brush that uh, relates to every single person, but to see some of the, the things that are in common. And, and one of the things that isn't really much spoken of in the literature is sometimes when we lose someone who's really close to us, uh, we have a, a semi-conscious uh, recognition that, oh my goodness, if they can die, I can too. Um, and it sort of compounds the, the grieving process because it's not only about the loss of the person who is so dear to us, uh, but also the recognition that uh, I am a mortal being. Uh, and it, as such, um, I too uh, will experience that. And that's something we don't always like to think about. We all know it, uh, but we don't always consider it. And I think sometimes, uh, especially in situations of compound grief, um, it might be possible that uh, some of the challenge that someone's facing might be that very thing, and um, it would be important for a counselor to be aware of that and help them work through some of that as opposed to avoiding it. Mm. Mm-hmm. So 2010 and still in your heart and mind. It's <laughs> going right. to get written. <laughs> I submitted it for publication a few days ago. What? Well, yeah. well. He finished it. You. Yes. <laughs> that's like an existential milestone. That's right. That is. That's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. If you've contemplated a, a, a work for yeah. nine years, yeah. man, come yeah. on. Yeah. That's good. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Business. Congratulations. Good to Thank hear. You. Good to hear. We'll, so, we'll see if it sees the light of day, but I certainly yeah. hope so. Mm, yeah. I hope well. too. I, I hope it does, Nate. Um, I hope it's uh, plucked from the field at just the right moment, <laughs> like that potato. <laughs> I was trying to get really like deep, get you know, it, it didn't happen. But but he's a deep guy, and he look at him. I mean, that's a that's a, a totally uh, serious and legitimate. A couple of lines of research there yeah. um, that Nate, you're working on, and what a great leader, not only for leadership but also in scholarship, Bob. Mm-hmm. That um, students can look forward yeah. to studying under and. I um, look forward to leading the program, Nate Ivers. Yeah. Thank you. Glad you're here, Nate, yep. for the podcast and also as our chair. Yeah, well, thank, <laughs> and can I say thanks so much to you all for doing this? This is fun. Oh, it is. It. We enjoy it. We like and it a bunch. It, we really do. Every we time. Do. <laughs> I, it's inf- it's informative to us. number of folks that are listening to it. It mm-hmm. seems to uh, yeah. help um, potential students and folks that are curious about uh, what counseling education is about right. and what Wake Forest is about. And so it's been exciting for us to do, too. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Thank you. We're trying to get it out more and more, too, to the alumni. Yeah. I, I was just talking with a friend not too long ago, and she says, what? I said, yeah, we've got a podcast. She says, I've got to subscribe. Uh-huh. Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Rob Cazares is shaking his head. I need to Dr. subscribe to you. I know. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Nate. I need to do that. <laughs> and listen. And um, yeah. but we hear we're getting lots of listens, so that's that's encouraging. People, like you mm-hmm. say, Bob, they want to know about counseling. Uh, what's in it for them? How can they uh, either be a part of Wake Forest University Department of Counseling, or um, how can they otherwise support or just be encouraged? I think it's um, incredibly encouraging to hear these stories, and I think that's one of the wonderful aspects of podcasting is storytelling. Mm-hmm. So. Um, 
so we're glad uh, to be doing it, Bob and I. Yes, have we are. tons of fun. And um, see, Nate, you, you came in. What am I going to talk about? Totally. Yeah. And we're having you back. So thank you. Right. Get ready, friend. I look forward to it. <laughs> Bob, it's yes, been fun. It and has. you know what I think we did? What did we do? We, we did, did it again. again. <laughs>